are listening to Finding Psychotherapy with me, Carla Vakoisa. In this series, I'll be speaking to a range of highly experienced mental health practitioners, asking them to explain in simple terms what they do, how they do it, and why is it therapeutic. I would also be asking them to give you a few tips of when to seek support, and when you do, how to find what's right for you. This is a podcast to help us think about mental health, what it means, and how we can begin to navigate this complicated, often mysterious and fascinating world. Our guest today is Claire Arnold-Baker. She is an existential psychotherapist with 15 years experience, working in private practice with a GP surgery and with MIND. She is the academic director at the New School of Psychotherapy and Counselling and the course leader for the doctorate in counselling and psychotherapy. Claire specialises in working with mothers, having completed her own doctoral research on the transition to motherhood for first-time mothers. Some of her most recent publications include The Existential Crisis of Motherhood, published in 2020, Existential Therapy, Distinctive Features, co-authored with Emmy van Dersen and published in 2018, and Existential Perspectives on Human Issues, also co-edited with Emmy van Dersen and published in 2005. Claire, thank you for taking the time and for speaking to us today about existential psychotherapy in simple terms. Thanks, Carla, for inviting me. So if we could start with what is existential psychotherapy? So existential psychotherapy is, I suppose it's quite a unique approach to therapy in that it's a philosophical approach rather than a psychological approach. Um, And so that means that it really looks about how we're living and how we're um, making sense of ourselves rather than looking at it in a more psychological way or kind of a more medical way where we might be looking at identifying symptoms and and then trying to find a way of treating those symptoms or getting rid of those symptoms so it's a non-pathological approach in that it's looking at people's issues as more of struggles of living rather than there are something that we need to um, to identify um, diagnose and then treat so part of that then part of that therapy is kind of taking a more holistic view of the person so if you think about it in terms of you know if you go um, in a more medical model where you might be saying you know somebody was going to be diagnosed with say depression it really restricts um, the person down to their symptoms um, whereas the existential approach is really looking at it's in a more broader sense you know what is this what is a, um, the client's experience of themselves of their lives and trying to really broaden things out and to see that we're always in a particular context and we can't be removed from that context and quite often sometimes the context causes us to feel in in particular um, particular ways so we look at things in kind of a four worlds perspective so we kind of take into account how the client might be in their physical environment um, whether that's in terms of 
in their embodiment, or whether that's in terms of you know where they're living, and and then how we how they experience their relationships, and then about how they experience themselves, what kind of feelings are emerging for them, what kind of emotions come up, and then on another level they're looking at things in terms of how do we create meaning what is important for us what do we value where is our sense of purpose and so it's really about trying to understand the individual in their totality in their you know in the whole of their um, life and then to try and understand what is the struggle that they're facing what is the difficulty where are the things that are, are that are finding problematic and then helping clients to find better ways of living and that might mean that they need to make shifts within themselves and in, in how they understand their lives or it may just be uncovering things that they have covered up you know so it may be that they've kind of lost sight of things or that they're not thinking about their lives that will help them to kind of make choices in, in more active ways. So I think kind of in general, it's really about trying to help clients to find better ways of, of living in that kind of more philosophical way. Mm, so th- what sets it apart from different approaches is that it's based in philosophy rather than mm, psychology mm. or psychological. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's a big thing. And it's about looking at the individual in, in context. So. Yes the world they live in and how they make sense of that world and that includes their feelings and their experiences and their relationships Mm -hmm. Um, and through that through that exploration there can be the awareness to make different choices yeah yeah that's pretty much it and I think the thing that you know quite a lot of people will say oh you know do you have to know anything about philosophy or I you know is my therapist going to be sitting there quoting philosophy at mm. me and it's and and I suppose that's the thing is that that it's although it's rooted in philosophy you wouldn't know it as a client necessarily that that's you know that that's a that it's a philosophical approach you know because it's really just about how the therapist then makes sense of the philosophy how we might understand that philosophy and how that we understand life really because of the philosophies that we draw on are all about our existence you know how do we how do human beings exist in the world and what are the kinds of the fundamental conditions that we all um, that we all have you know that we all face you know and that's you know and there's some kind of you know sort of big ones which is kind of about anxiety and death and guilt and freedom and choice and you know sometimes the existential approach is, is sometimes thought of as a bit of a depressing approach because it kind of focuses on the really difficult things but actually how it's then used in the therapy is this is is actually about you know when we confront things that are difficult when we confront things like death or that we when we confront things like anxiety we can find sort of meaning out of that we can find out what's important to our lives and we can find better ways of living so rather than trying to avoid something or rather than try to get rid of anxiety for example it's actually to see that you know these things are part of our life and and then it's like well what's if we you know if we take a account of those things as part of our lives how does that then make us live differently 
you know, if we, if we, you know, if we think about anxiety, for example, um, you know, some approaches may want to try and get rid of anxiety. And yes, to a certain extent, we don't want to have these anxious feelings that kind of debilitate us or, you know, can, can paralyze us. But rather it's about trying to understand what that anxiety is telling us about the way that we're living and how can we use that in a kind of creative way. You know, I always think of anxiety as a kind of an energy and how can we channel that energy in a kind of a, in a different way? It's not about getting rid of it. It's about understanding what it means in our lives and what we need to do in response to it. That's so interesting. So it's a completely different spin on something that is perceived, I feel, as a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But it's let's not look at it, for example, anxiety as a negative aspect of life, but it's an energy and it's a part of us. So yeah. if we can get past that, we can try and understand it and use it or make choices based on that yes. understanding. Yeah, yeah. And I think the same can be said for death as well. I mean, that death is an, another taboo that we try to try to avoid but actually you know in existential therapy it's very much about you know you know confronting death and our own death you know and then you know not in a way that's kind of morbid and again that can be you know debilitating that can kind of freeze you but in a way of like well if we are limited in time which we are um then and we don't know when we're going to die um how are we going to live you know what what difference does it make to the way that we live and i i always think about it as really interesting because we talk about deadlines and when you really think about what deadline is you know that is kind of like our lives you know we have a deadline and then you know there is a point where where our life will end and and when we think about that then you can start thinking well actually how you know if i've only got a limited amount of time how am I living in that time? You know, because quite a lot of the time we try to live as if we've got endless amounts of time, that we've got lots of time that stretches out in front of us. And, and there's no urgency there, you know, because it's always like, well, there's always tomorrow. There's always, you know, next year. Mm. We can always do that in a couple, you know. But when you start thinking about us being limited, then we get a sense of urgency. Then we get a sense of purpose. Then we get a sense of value and meaning that we can think, well, actually, maybe we, you know, we need to think about how we're living today. We need to think about how we're living right now. What are the choices that we're making? What kind of life do we really want for ourselves? So rather than focusing on death as the, as the end of our lives, it actually can be used to reflect us, you know, completely flip it back and think about how we're living, how we're actually living rather than fearing our death. That's such an interesting point. Death as a motivator, death as a catalyst to want to think about our life and the meaning we give to it, the choices we make and how we're going to make the most of it instead of it being morbid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of connects into, again, to some other existential ideas about freedom and choice, because we, you know, this idea that we are, we are free to choose, you know, our lives and to choose our responses to our lives. So again, we may have be limited, you know, I think sometimes there's always a criticism of saying, oh, we're not completely free. So yes, our freedom always comes in a limit. Within the things that we have choice, you know, is about understanding what choices we have and how we can make those active choices rather than passively choosing or passively kind of, 
you know, sort of sleepwalking through through our lives. So it's very much about asking questions, becoming aware, becoming active and not passive in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think this is, you know, I think when we think about existential therapy, you know, I think it's about, you know, the clients who come to therapy, they they it, it will, you know, it will be about trying to encourage them, I suppose, to really to think deeply about the way that they they live and to really think about you know how how they're living and and maybe how they're yeah how they're taking active choices or how they're living passively and helping them to really understand you know what how they're living in that kind of way you know so sometimes I think we become so um sort of automatic in some ways in in how we live so it's a kind of a a moment of taking stock and helping people to just um to to take a moment to just reflect on on themselves and their lives and to decide whether that's what they want for themselves or you know or how they can change if if they want to change you know sometimes it may be that after a period of reflection you you might feel like oh actually I don't want to make any big changes, but then at least you're then the changes that you're making, that you're choosing actively, even if it doesn't involve a big life change. So it's kind of more about the kind of the questioning and the reflection rather than something, you know, big, big shifts that are needed. It sounds so interesting. It makes me want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and what what type of person in your experience would find this type of therapy, this approach to therapy most helpful? I think, again, it's it's somebody who really wants to to think about their, their lives, you know, in in detail. And I think that, you know, this is this approach is not really about providing answers for 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 clients. It's really about you know, ask, asking questions and asking, helping clients to ask their own questions. So I think if, if, if somebody's looking for strategies, maybe, or homework, or, you know, sort of particular things that, well, if you do, you know, if you do this, this and this, then that will help you, um, you know, uh, reduce those feelings. It's very much about exploration and discovering and uncovering things and, and asking questions and reflection. So I think it's really about, you know, for people who want to, to think deeply about their lives. And, and quite often, you know, clients may come to therapy because they they have a feeling that something's not quite right, you know, that they have a sense of this unsettledness in their lives, that they can't quite put their finger on it. Mm. And actually, these are very often can be seen in very existential ways of, of, their, of their needing to be some reflection, that it's a kind of a, a call almost, that, um, that something needs to be looked at, something needs to be addressed. And maybe it's the way that they're living and, they, and it's about kind of taking a different um different path of course you know it can be really useful for other things as well so you know I think um I mean at the moment um I'm working a lot with mothers so I think actually an existential approach to motherhood can be really useful um because it's about trying to understand their experience in a different way you know which is not about pathologizing again or kind of trying to categorize but it's really trying to understand what has happened um what those experiences are and then having 
you know, mothers to to understand what what has happened. And I think, you know, and again, it can be working for, for other areas as well. I think existential therapy can be very useful um, in bereavements, um, where there's been bereavement or um, oncology, end of life, because those are the times when people are really grappling with those, you know, sort of um, existential questions. Mm-mm, I can really see that, yeah. So if someone wants answers um, in a kind of very direct way or wants active tools or mm-hmm. wants um, something or, you know, wants to have homework, wants to feel that they're active in that way, then maybe existential therapy isn't going to be best suited to them. But existential therapy could be really suited to anyone who, mm-hmm. it, it sounds to me that's going to go into the therapy room with an open mind, with not... With, with, with happy with exploration and mm. not for good or for bad but for what it is and for mm. asking those questions and another really key thing sort of that pops up for me is the non-categorization so mm. especially at the moment I feel that diagnoses are sort of thrown around a lot and people like mm. to feel that yeah. they fit into a certain box mm. so to call mm. it mm. and existential psychotherapy is not about that mm. it's not mm. about confining oneself to mm. something it's about your experience mm. of it mm. and how you make mm. sense of mm. it that whole idea around diagnosis is, is really interesting because I think on the one hand, you know, people can find um, a diagnosis really helpful and can be and it can be really useful for them in making sense of what they're experiencing. But it can also be really restrictive. And I always think about diagnosis as really as a kind of just an aid to communication. So it kind of gives us a general idea about you know what that experience might be like for a person or what that experience you know what they might what a person might be struggling with but then actually then you can put that aside because then it's really about how does that person live that particular diagnosis so you know somebody who has depression you know you have two people with depression they're going to have very different experiences about how that depression is for them and so if we kind of take a more restrictive view and say right okay we're we're looking at it in terms of these types of symptoms and those those kinds of presentations then you lose sight of the person so it's always about trying to bring it back to you know what is it like for that person you know what is you know how are they experiencing it what are the struggles that it causes what are the struggles that they're, they're confronting and how how we can you know help people to to live in in ways that you know that that feel better for them and I think that's so true I mean a diagnosis has uh, of course it has its purpose but but perhaps in the therapy room and an existential therapy what matters is what what that means to you Mm, mm, so your mm. experience of depression will be different to mine and and that's what matters yeah yeah and it's really about trying to understand the phenomena as well. So it's about trying to really understand, you know, and and looking at it in a more descriptive way. So I suppose that's the, the key part of, you know, existential therapy. It's, it's about trying to expand things out, trying to get rich descriptions of, the, of a person's experience. And because it's out of those descriptions and it's out of really kind of, clarifying and gaining deeper and just you know deeper understanding that 
then something kind of emerges from that for the client, you know, where they can really see what, you know, the, the thing, their life in a different way, you know, where they can start to see other possibilities emerge that maybe weren't there before. So I think out of that kind of description, out of that questioning, out of that reflection, new possibilities emerge. Then you can start to, you know, to new understandings, new perspectives, um, and then the, the client is able to make those active choices then they can make you know decisions about how you know what what's important for them because they've they've really thought about their lives and 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 what they what they need and what they want and, and what's important and what they value mm. so that fits into one of my questions is that is what can you expect from from a session mm. um with an existential psychotherapist. So something you could expect is a lot of encouragement to describe, to go into detail, to expand. Yes, yes, yeah. So I think it's it's very, it's very much like a conversation, I think. You, um, so it will be, um, although the client will probably be doing more talking than the therapist, but they should be anyway. <laughs> um, but it's, um, yeah, so it's very much a, a conversation. And I think to start off with, you know, there is going to be a lot of description and and the client describing what's there, you know, that what their experience is and, and some of the, the things that they're struggling with. And then the therapist will will be in you know in dialogue with, with the client and and will be asking questions and those questions will be either to clarify to encourage deeper description to challenge and with with the idea that that it's kind of like a journey that they that both client and therapist embark on and that out of that journey they you know there's a kind of a real deep understanding of, of the client's client's life um, and so it's yes it's about trying to help clients to to ask questions of themselves as well. mm. and I think when you're in that kind of dialogue where um, the therapist is really involved in the client's um, experience and their journey and so they're, they're really wanting to understand you know and I think part of that you know questioning helps the client to see that that there's you know what the therapist is offering them is this kind of real sense of trying to understand to guide to support um to make sense of and that it's a sort of something that they're doing together and out of that that dialogue something new can emerge um, for the client so it's not about the therapist telling the client what to do or the therapist having all the knowledge you know it's about figuring it out together mm. so it's a collaborative it's a collaborative process between the yes. therapist and the client and it's a journey yes. that they embark on together yes. yes and this is done through dialogue yes but yes. ultimately the the responsibility the choice is the client's and Absolutely. the client is the expert of their own life and the therapist yes. is there and offers expertise and skills mm. to aid that yeah but that's yeah. what they're there for yeah. not to tell them what to do not to give any answers yeah. yeah yes and I think it's because you know because the client knows themselves the best you know, it's their life and so it's about helping them take responsibility 
for that life and to help them to think about what other ways that they might be possible you know without saying this is the this way needs to be the way or that way you know it's about opening things up for the client so that they can find their own way through and being alongside on on that journey Mm. and if someone decides to embark on existential psychotherapy or with this approach, how long can they expect it to last? I mean, what sort of commitment are we talking about in your experience? Well, I guess it again, it depends on the clients, and I guess to a certain extent to, to the therapist. And you know, so I think for some clients, you want you they might want to just have a shorter amount of time to explore things. And again, it's a, how much, how deep you want to go, you know, how, how, how much reflection you want to go into. So it's something that it can be, you can have short term therapy um, if there's sort of one area of life that you really want to, to examine, to look at, or one particular sort of thing that you're struggling with. Or it can be longer term if you really want to. It's, it's really variable. But I guess the thing is that it's something that you would work with 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 the therapist so obviously if you're you're constrained maybe financially about how much or time-wise about how many sessions you want then the therapist will work within that time frame with you so it's difficult to quantify really because I think it really depends on the individual um, what they what they're wanting from therapy and sometimes you know clients would be very clear that they only want a short amount of time and it can be very successful because I think sometimes like now saying about death you know bringing an urgency to our lives I think deadlining in therapy can also bring an urgency to the therapy so it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a lot of time um, to do that and I think Freddie Strasser um, who was an existential therapist was all he kind of he had came up with this idea of this kind of short-term therapy where clients would have you know batches of sort of six to twelve sessions so that they were discrete batches but you might then go and have a next a next lot after that um, because then the ending is always part of the therapy and it brings in that urgency and that kind of reflection and um, keeping track of probably where they're, where they're wanting to go so I think it, again it depends on the client and what they're what they're wanting the so, so the commitment is it can vary hugely depending on, yeah, on yeah. why the client's coming to therapy and yeah. ultimately it's part of that collaboration between the therapist and the client on how yeah. long it's going to last yeah and it, again it depends on the setting if you're having existential therapy within a particular service then the service mm. may restrict the number of sessions anyway i mean if you're working with a client um with the therapist privately then there's more there's often more flexibility about how how many sessions that you um that you have I tend to work open-endedly and that we you know sometimes we'll say I'll say to clients let's have six sessions and see how we're connecting um or sometimes we'll just say let's let's see how you know what what you need and we can we bring in review um sessions every so often to kind of see where where the therapy is going um but it's very much guided by what the client wants and and what they need um, mm. so there are many formulas and if it's mm. longer term there can be these check-in sessions just to make sure the therapy is mm. going well and what can mm. be improved or done mm. differently or 
change focus or it's an opportunity yeah, to, to talk about things yeah whether the, the client is you know is 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 getting what they need and whether the, again with the the focus is in in the right way so yeah and I think you also touched on something else that I feel is so important that even short-term therapy, um, it's always going to be limited because of time, but, but, but that's okay sometimes. Sometimes that's effective. Um, mm. And I think the idea of being confronted with endings a bit like we are in life and that being reflected in the shorter, um, sort of in the therapy room is an interesting, um, mm. is interesting. I think there's sometimes this assumption that longer is better. And I don't think that necessarily is right you know I think it's it's um um and actually yes as you say you know if you if you have if it's shorter then then there is more urgency um you know in terms of of focusing maybe more on on trying to get some kind of clarity or some kind of making sense of a particular experience yeah that's very interesting and and how how much would one expect to pay for for therapy for existential therapy i'm not 100 percent sure but I think, again <laughs> i think it really varies on the therapist and the and the and the qualification there are places that offer low-cost therapy so you might be you know looking at 25 pounds a session up to you know maybe 100 pounds a session or 120 you know depending on the, the qualifications of, of the therapist or where they're based so i think there's a, you know there's a range you will, I'm sure you could find a therapist who would fit your budget. Um, there's quite a lot of um, existential therapists now. So um, at different levels of experience and qualification. So, and usually the, co- the fees reflect, um, reflect that. Hmm. And if someone was looking for an existential therapist, where would you suggest they go? I think it's important to make sure that they're appropriately qualified. So to go to one of the professional registers, um, I think both the UKCP register and um, the BPS um, register, you can put in as a search term um, existential as the modality, and that will then bring up um, people who are registered as existential you're also accredited in your area um i think also the counseling directory actually which is quite a good website as well i think you can also put in the modality but then you just need to make sure you need to check on the um the accreditation and the qualifications so what really matters is to find someone who's accredited someone who's got the appropriate training have a look shop around a bit and you'd probably be able to find someone who's going to fit your budget yes finding somebody who can fit your budget somebody who's qualified but I think it's also about the relationship so actually you know the most important thing is that you can find somebody that you can talk to in an open and honest way and so you know don't feel that you need to go with the first therapist that you see you know it's very it's really important to see what what it's like in those first sessions and see if you feel that that's the right person for you um and if it's not you know don't feel like you have to continue that I think it's you know all therapists will will be very open to clients feeling like it's it's you know there isn't a, a good fit you know the relationship is is the most important thing um for any therapy but I think particularly with existential therapy because again it's this collaborative journey that we that we embark on with our therapists so there has to be that kind of connection um between the client and the therapist 
And you touched on that earlier a little bit about um, doing the first six weeks together or so just to see if it's the right fit. And that's really what it's all about. In therapy, um, the most important thing perhaps is that the client feels at ease and able to talk freely because the relationship is key for Mm. it it to be a success Mm. and you need to feel that you can be honest and open and comfortable with that person and if Mm. for whatever reason you're not then there's no shame in 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 moving on absolutely absolutely and the therapist will will understand that it's really important that the the relationship is really important because it's all about trust and so and that's part of what's the professions about is about creating trusting relationships with clients and and clients need to feel that they can trust their therapist and that they, they connect with their therapist and that they feel that their therapist can understand them that the therapist is you know is able to to really get what what they're talking about and if there's anything that kind of might come in as a blog to that then that's not going to be helpful for the client so it's it's so important to make sure that you that the clients feel that they feel connected with their therapist that they um you know that's that's in fact i think there's been some research by norcross who's who actually looked at that actually the success of therapy is more down to the relationship between client and therapist rather than modality so actually the modality matters less than the relationship that's formed by clients and therapists. So that's that's the bit to, to kind of remember. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the modality, although sometimes the modality will ask clients to reflect in different ways, depending, which may suit um, some clients rather than others. Mm. And that's something I feel with this podcast as well. So I'm asking different therapists about their approach. And I think that's really important to understand how a therapist works because it's Mm. the lens with which they see and how they are in the room. And so that's Mm. important. But for the client and the person seeking therapy, perhaps the most important thing is that they feel comfortable and like their therapist because it's that that relationship that's the core. Yes, and I think also, you know, that just because there are therapists with the same modality doesn't mean that they're all going to work in similar ways. So again, it's about, you know, finding that that match, finding that connection. Um, There's probably as many different ways of doing existential therapy as there are therapists, you know, so we each bring our own individual slant or our own um, perspective on, on the therapy. So there will be similarities certainly between existential therapists, but there will also be differences as well because we're all different Mm, exactly we're all different and we all bring something different Mm. and the meeting of two people is always going to be unique yeah I feel yeah yeah absolutely yeah Mm. so thank you for answering these questions I just have one final one which you're you're an experienced therapist you teach you've written books what what is it about your job that you like most oh that's a that's a tricky one um I think really it's just I'm very um, I'm very passionate about you know sort of wanting to help people and to um, and to to enable people to to live their lives in you know in a in a better way and I think you know that's kind of driven me um, in in my work and I'm very passionate about the existential approach because I personally 
I'm very connected to that. I feel that that really makes sense as an approach to me. And I, and I can see how it um, can transform people's lives. And it's, it's that kind of that transformation that I see in the therapy that is so rewarding. Um, and that's probably the best, you know, the, the best part of, of the job and, and why I'm involved in training existential therapists and, and, and seeing clients. And um, because it's, it's so rewarding to see the difference at the end of the, of, of the therapy and how, um, and how people can really, really live in different ways, you know, and, and feel more content in, in their lives and more, you know, with more purpose and more meaning. Um, and that's, and that's really rewarding. Mm. It's that sense of reward that, that feels so strong mm. of, of seeing that transformation in people. Mm. 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 I really, I really get that listening to you talk about it. No, that's good. Yeah. And I think there's so many people who are, are kind of struggling you know, and it feels like, like that, that there must be a different way. Yes, life is hard, but life doesn't have to be as hard. You know, there are other ways. It's wonderful to be part of somebody's journey and, and to see, yeah, as I said, that kind of transformation. Well, thank you very much for your time today and for explaining things so beautifully. Well, it was lovely to talk to you and thank you for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Finding Psychotherapy by me, Carla Vacoisa. I always love to engage with my listeners. So if you have any thoughts, questions or queries, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram on Finding Psychotherapy. This podcast has been edited by Iceni Studios and the music is by David Rhodes.